Good morning and uh, happy new year. I know we have a small group here today with travels, with snow, but it's so good to be able to gather together uh, to worship again, uh, to be reminded of God's promises to us in Christ Jesus. And in particular, we're, we're celebrating Epiphany, which is the celebration of God revealing fully his work of salvation to us in Jesus Christ. Um, so as we begin, let me just offer two quick announcements. Um, during the season of, of Epiphany, uh, on the Wednesdays of the 12th and the 19th, and whatever the next Wednesday is, um, we're going to be offering an Epiphany study on the threefold office of Christ. Oftentimes in the Reformed tradition, we talk about Christ as prophet, priest, and king. And so Chad and Adonijah are going to be leading us in that study. Um, and if you need more information, it's in the back of the bulletin. And lastly, our nursery and our preschool uh, will not be meeting today, but our hope uh, is that next Sunday uh, it will be up and going. And uh, if, if there is an update that we need to provide you, just keep an eye on your emails throughout the week. Well, uh, kids, why don't you feel free to be dismissed, and then we'll, we'll jump in to our service uh, with a moment of quiet. from Psalm 147. Will you guys stand with me and we'll sing it together. Let us praise the Lord our God. Let us hope in his steadfast love. to our God. It is a pleasant and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcast of Israel. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. Let us praise the Lord our God. Let us hope in his steadfast love. the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. Let us praise the Lord our God. Let us hope in his steadfast love.
Let us pray. Almighty, eternal, steadfast God, light of lights, you have poured yourself into the world, even creating light itself. From you, you reveal to us your power, your glory, your majesty, and your awe. We see it in the creation and the world around us. We see it as you have worked in and through your people throughout time and space. And Lord God, we mostly see it in Christ Jesus, our Lord, the true light of the world. And Lord, we continue to ask that you would shine your light into the world around us, into our very lives, our families, our friends, our neighborhood, and our city. And yet, God, we also acknowledge, we acknowledge even this morning, even as the new year comes, that there is still a darkness that lingers around us and in us. Lord, we ask that you would draw near to us in the midst of the darkness, that you would remind us that it has not overcome you, but that you have overcome it. Lord God, we ask that you would be with those who are carrying heavy burdens this day. Lord, we ask whether it's financial burdens, whether it's sickness or illness, whether it's, it's just difficulty with family and friends. Lord, we ask that you would shine bright, that the warmth of your grace and your love would pour into our lives and our hearts. Lord, we are mindful of our present moment, the rising number of, of those who are sick with COVID. Lord, we continue to pray that you would protect those who are sick and that you would keep those safe who are recovering. Lord, we are mindful, though, that COVID is not the only sickness. There are those in our own congregation, our own neighborhood and city who are struggling with other illnesses, with cancer, with heart issues, or with chronic illness. And Lord, we ask that you would draw near to them as well, that you would bring your healing hand upon us. Lord, we ask that as we gather together to hear your word and to sing and to pray and to participate in the Lord's Supper, that your spirit would move in our lives, that you would restore us and renew us again this day by your word and your grace. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Well, as we continue to worship, God invites us graciously to come to him with our confessions, to come with him with our burdens, our shortcomings, our wrongdoings, and he is gracious to forgive our sins. We'll do this first publicly through public prayer and song, and then we'll do it um, privately through private silent confession. Let us pray. God's word proclaims, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you and that God's glory will appear over you. Let us acknowledge the darkness in our lives and repent of our sin and receive the light of God's mercy. Merciful God, light of the world, we confess that we have not resisted the darkness of sin. You deliver the poor and the helpless, but we have ignored their cry. You take pity on the weak, but our hearts are hard in the face of their need. Forgive us, we pray. Amen. Come, ye sinners, poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Jesus, ready, stands to save you, full of pity.
I invite you to take a moment of personal silent confession. Gracious and merciful God, although too often we are lost and stuck in our ways and surrounded by darkness, you are the light, the warm light that you send into our lives, reminding us that we are forgiven and we rest secure now in the death of Christ and his new life. We pray this in his holy name. Amen. Amen. Would you please stand with me as we say these words of assurance, a reminder that this is true. This is good news for us. Our words come from Psalm 103. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Amen. You may be seated. The Old Testament lesson is from Jeremiah 31, 7 through 14. For thus says the Lord, sing aloud with gladness for Jacob, and raise shouts for the chief of the nations. Proclaim, give praise, and say, O Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. Behold, I will bring them from the north country and gather them from the farthest parts of the earth among them the blind and the lame, the pregnant woman, and she who is in labor together. A great company, they shall return here. With weeping they shall come, and with pleas for mercy I will lead them back. I will make them walk by brooks of water, in a straight path in which they shall not stumble. For I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations and declare it in the coastlands far away. Say, he who scattered Israel will gather him, and will keep him as a shepherd keeps his flock. For the Lord has ransomed Jacob, and has redeemed him from hands too strong for him. They shall come and sing aloud on the height of Zion, and they shall be radiant over the goodness of the Lord, over the grain, the wine, and the oil, and over the young of the flock and the herd. Their life shall be like a watered garden, and they shall languish no more. Then shall the young women rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old shall be merry. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. I will feast the soul of the priests with abundance, and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, declares the Lord. The New Testament lesson is from Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. 
even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Lucy, for reading our scripture this morning. Well, again, good morning to all of you gathered here and uh, who are joining us via Zoom this morning, a cold, snowy uh, morning. And as we, uh, as we begin our time, uh, again, today is the, the celebration of Epiphany. In Isaiah 60, it says, The nation shall come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your rising. And this often harkens back to when the kings came bringing gifts to the Christ child, um, when they coming to recognize that God's light has come into the world. And one of the passages that's often read during this season of Christmas and Epiphany is chapter 1 of John. It's a rich passage. It's known as the prologue, and it has many themes of light in it. So let us turn our attention there now as we reflect on the true light of the world. John 1. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Let me pray. Gracious God, would you meet us here, gathered together, both at home and in this place, by your Spirit, and would you reveal to us anew your work in our lives and the world around us. Draw near to us in this moment. And I ask that you would be with the meditations of all of our hearts and the words of my mouth. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. It was a dark and stormy night. Now that might bring to mind one of those detective novels. It's an opening line that's often we can recognize, something catchy. It's actually the name of a board game that my family has and we used to play. My mom and several of my sisters are avid readers, and the purpose of the game is to recognize the opening lines of books. And so if you, if you recognize the opening line on your turn, then you get a point. You get a little book. 
And the reason why I bring that up is there's all sorts of great and wonderful opening lines to books or to movies. One of my favorite books, The Tale of Two Cities, begins like this. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of indecrence. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the season of hope, and it was the winter of despair. You don't have to know much about the book to get this sense that there's a lot going on. And this, this book is talking about the backdrop of the French Revolution. Or something maybe a little bit more light and fun for our kids. Mr. and Mrs. Dorsey of number four Privet Drive was proud to say that they were perfectly normal. Thank you very much. That comes from the first book of Harry Potter. These are lines that often stick with us. They, they invite us to enter into a new world. They engage our imagination. Good literature and stories will often do this. They craft the opening themes and ideas that will push forward us into these stories. And I think this morning our passage does the same thing for us. This prologue of the Gospel of John is not like the other beginning books of the Gospels. The Gospel of Mark opens up and jumps you right into the life of Jesus Christ and his ministry. Matthew and Luke begin with the birth of Christ. But John begins with this magnificent opening, this eternal perspective he's drawing our attention to. He wants us to see that the Christmas story and the revealing of Jesus Christ as the light of the world is a part of this grand opening. The prologue, which we didn't read, but it begins like this. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. He was in the beginning with God. In him was life, and the light was the light of humanity. John's prologue in our passage this morning can sound more poetic than maybe a modern historical accounting of facts and data. Yet it's the grandness and the awe of this cosmic and eternal account that invites us to see our lives in God's place, in his per from his perspective, to see that God is at work and his presence is flowing in and through the world around us. But as we come to this passage, I, I have two questions for us to consider, especially within our own context and time. To consider, one, what does the light of God that he sends into the world reveal about our lives, about our world, about ourselves? And then, two, as we reflect at the end, is this light really sufficient for us today? Is this light really sufficient for us today? Our passage opens by saying the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. We're told that the light given to you and to me is breaking in. Something is happening, and we are to pay attention. This does not mean that this is the first time that God has revealed himself. He's revealed himself throughout time and space in so many different ways. In creation, we witness his power, his wonder, and his beauty in how he worked and molded and brought all things together. In God's commandments given to his people, we learn about God's holiness, God's righteousness, his desire to do what is right and good. In the messages that we receive from the prophets, we hear God's desire for justice, that the people would turn from their wrongdoing and repent and seek to protect those who are weak and vulnerable and not allow their own power to hurt others. God has always displayed and demonstrated his character to his people, revealing that he's a God who's slow to anger and abounding in love, revealing that he removes our sins and transgressions as far as the east as is from the west, and ultimately revealing that he's a God who keeps his promises. And he does this by sending the light of the nations into the world.
to you and to me. We celebrated that with Christ and his birth as Christ came into the world. But it's interesting, our passage speaks something about a true light. What makes this light true is that everything in creation, the commandments, the prophecies, the promises, are pointing to this particular light. What makes it true is the fact that its ultimate center is from which everything finds its meaning that came before, and everything that comes after finds its purpose now. And yet, there's an ultimate and cosmic tragedy that is happening in our passage today. We are told that the light was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. His own did not receive him. The true light does not only reveal God and his promises, but it reveals our troubling condition. God came into the world. God spoke his word and came into the world to reveal what he would do about our troubling condition. And yet it was that very condition of pride, of self-sufficiency, that drew us away from him drew us away from the light. It actually reveals just how far off we really are from the truth. When God himself shows up, humanity rejected him. We disregarded, we ignored, and we mocked the light. We saw that Judas betrayed the light. The disciples fell asleep on the light. The witnesses lied about the light. Peter denied the light. Pilate flogged the light. The soldiers mocked the light. And finally, humanity crucified the truth and the light upon the cross. This rejection of the light of God reveals just how distant and alienated we are from the very true source of life, of meaning, and of hope. My wife and I have, uh, I'm sure many of you do, you have your overhead bathroom lights and then you have the lights that are on the mirror. Well, I don't use the lights on the mirror. Um, I just, you know, the lights above the ceiling are perfectly fine and I typically use them. But occasionally I'll turn on all the lights and I look in the mirror and I don't quite recognize the person in the mirror. <laughs> It, it shows more blemishes, more flaws than I remember. And not only is the light just a pain because it's really bright, but it's also kind of a reminder of certain realities for me. And I wonder if this is our story, that when we encounter the light, it reveals certain things about our stories about our experiences, about our problems, about our issues. And in particular, I wonder if when we encounter the light, it reveals to us the alienation that we experience, the separation that we experience, not only with God, but with each other. I know for many of us, the holiday season can be challenging, whether it's actually visiting and being present with family or friends or or whether it's not being able to be with family or friends. These can bring up hard feelings, reminders of past hurts done to us, reminders of ways that we've hurt others. And I often wonder if sometimes it's just easier to ignore them than to deal with it. I know that is the case for me often. And yet the light comes in and reveals these hard places, these deep wounds. And we would prefer to remain in the dark than rather to attempt to do something about it. The fears and insecurities that we experience in relationships are deep and are hard. And yet God invites us to enter into those places. But he doesn't do that alone, and he, and he makes sure that we're protected, that we have a status, 
in this passage, we're told that it was not God's will to leave us in the darkness, but it was his will to bring us back home, to draw us back to him and to his family. For those who receive the light, for those who receive it and know it by faith, we are those who are counted and given the right as children of God. This is a new status. This is a status that cannot be stripped away. It is one that God has placed upon us. He reminds us that we are his beloved children. And it is this very light that not only reveals our broken and hard places, but it's this light that reveals to us our new status in Christ Jesus. So as we see what this might reveal to us, this light, our hard places, the darkness that surrounds us, but also this new status as beloved children of God, I wonder for us, does this light, the coming of Christ into the world, is it still sufficient for us today? What does the light of God and Jesus Christ reveal about our current lives our current circumstances, our current stories. I mean, just even over this break, we're just reminded of, of the rampant spread of COVID, of sickness, constant reminders of what 2020 felt like, setbacks, losses, for some of us even sickness, rhetoric that sounds more hateful rather than seeking to build bridges and create connection. And oftentimes, it can feel overwhelming and filled with despair. And so does the light have anything to say about this? I often encounter this as a pastor as a, and a chaplain. I, I receive people asking about God, but it's interesting. They, they always ask about it in the current circumstance. Why did God allow the pandemic to happen? What is God doing? Or to bring it home closer, why is this particular thing happening in my life? I hear these questions and wrestle with them myself, and I cannot help but feel the distance that is present in them. Is God present with me in this moment? Where is God in my life? Is God present with us now? And I think our passage answers this. I think it at least draws us closer not fully, but it gives us a picture of maybe where God is. In verse 14, we're told that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Here we encounter that big mystery of the incarnation, that the word came into the world, that Christ came into the world, that God dwelled with his people. I love the word that's used here, dwell. In the Greek and in the Hebrew, it, it basically means pitched his tent. And I think that we're supposed to be reminded of Exodus, how God went with his people into the wilderness, into the darkness, and his presence and his glory dwelt in the tabernacle. God pitched his tent with his people. And we see this in Christ. In Christ, he has come as a servant, as one who is humble, as one who takes on our physical suffering, our emotional pain, and even the spiritual anguish that was felt upon the cross. See, through Jesus Christ, God fully became man. And God pinched pitched his tent in the messiness and in the gritty of our lives. John, here at the end of the passage, grace shows up four times in the book of John, and it shows up in all four times at the end of the passage. And I don't think that's by mistake because what John wants to demonstrate to us through the rest of the gospel is the depth and wonder of this grace of God dwelling with his people, of a God who would turn water into wine and abundantly give, of a God who would feed those who are hungry and remind us that he is the bread of life, of a God who would raise the dead Lazarus before whom he weeped 
tears of pain of a God who would be betrayed and denied and crucified. These are the graces in which we are invited to encounter. There's a Christian author, Alicia Atkins. She wrote down in one of her devotions that she once read through the New Testament one year, and she wrote down every time she saw a benefit that we receive in Christ. And her result was 18 pages. Now, I don't know if that was 11 font or 16 font, but that's a lot of times in which God has revealed to us the depth and the benefits that we receive in Christ. St. Athanasius, who wrote about the incarnation, says it in a more poetic way. To try to number all that Christ has done is like gazing at a deep sea and trying to count all the waves. It's like gazing at a deep and open sea and trying to count all the waves. So as we wrap up here, I want to draw us to this, this reality that the grace that we have received in Christ, this grace upon grace, is what we need in this very moment. For some of us, our cultural moment, the ever-shifting changes around us are overwhelming, and yet God gives himself to us in Christ. And that, that is where we go for answers, for truth, for life. Whether life is going well, or whether we're currently in some of the darkest and scariest places of our lives, the grace revealed to us in the incarnate word is to who we turn. God invites us to draw our attention and our gaze back to the warm glow and glory of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And as we end, end one year and move into another year, I know for many of us, we carry burdens. A new year brings hope of new things, but it also brings baggage as well. And my hope and desire for us is that as we lean in and see what God is revealing to us in Christ, that his grace would meet us in both of those places, in our highest highs and our lowest lows. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this morning. We ask that you would be with us as we draw near to you, that you would go with us as we go into our families and the world around us. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Will you stand with us now and we'll sing together.
star you led the magi to the humble infant Jesus revealing to them your salvation for the world lead us to Christ that we may offer our worship and serve him with sincerity as we sing together the tender mercy of our God has come down from on high giving light to those in darkness and guiding our feet in peace. The tender mercy of our God has come down from on high, giving light to those in darkness and guiding our feet in peace. Please be seated. as we gather around the Lord's table, Christ's table, I just want to read very briefly Jeremiah 31, uh, 13 and 14. It says this, I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. I will feast the soul of the priest with abundance, and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, declares the Lord. As we gather at this table, the table is a reminder of this good truth, that God, by his goodness and kindness, satisfies him with his very self. That as Christ came into the world to dwell with us, to pinch, pitch his tent with us, that he is good enough to feed us, that he is good enough to draw near to us and sustain us. And the bread and the wine point us to those things, those graces, he continues to pour out his grace upon us each and every day, and he does that as we eat and drink in his name. Well, if you're with us today, we're glad to have you. Um, if you don't have a, one of our little uh, communion cups, feel free to raise your hand, and Will has uh, the cups ready for us. Um, just a, another reminder, this is Christ's table. This is not Lincoln Square Presbyterian Church. This is not the PCA's table, the Presbyterian Church in America. This is, this is Jesus' table. So if you call him Christ and King and Savior, then we invite you to come and participate with us now. Let me pray over the elements. Gracious and merciful God, by your spirit we ask that you would draw near to us at this your table that you would give us renewed life in Christ, that you would sustain us by your spirit, that as we eat and drink, we would be reminded that we are your beloved children and that you have redeemed us and draw us closer to you and that you reveal yourself as the light of the nations. And it is to you that we seek to turn our gaze. We pray this in your holy name. Well, on the night when Christ was betrayed, Jesus, after giving thanks, took bread, and he broke it, saying, This is my body, which is for you. Take and eat. In the same way, Jesus took the cup and saying after supper, This is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, it in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink this cup and eat this bread, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns again. The body of Christ broken for you, take and eat. The blood of Christ poured out for you, take and drink. 
let me pray for us as we go from this place. Lord God, we thank you that you sustain us by your body and blood, that you give us the grace that we need this morning, this day, as we meet our burdens, as we are reminded of our challenges and struggles. Lord, we ask that you would draw near to us in this very moment. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen. Well, I invite you to stand as we continue to respond to the Lord's table in song. Lord Jesus Christ, the Magi brought you gifts at the Nativity and offered their lives to you in worship. With thankfulness and joy, let us offer ourselves and our gifts to God as we join together in praise. Sing, O heavens, for the Lord has done it. Shout, O depths of the earth. Break forth into singing, O mountains, for the Lord has redeemed his people. Before we go, it, it just a gracious reminder that part of our worship is through giving. And we have multiple ways of doing that, uh, giving back to the Lord's work. Uh, we have our offering plates in the back at the windows, and then there's also instructions here for ways to give online or through your phone. Now, let us sing again. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, this blessing in the name of Christ. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord turn his face upon you and give you peace. May the Lord lift his face towards you and surround you in the warmth of his grace. Go in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.